Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Obviously, those good feelings completely out the window now for the New York Jets. The three-game winning streak comes to an end. Throttled. Destroyed. Embarrassed. By the winless Cincinnati Bengals. Hard to believe the Jets now have lost to not one but two winless teams. And to break it all down, one of my all-time favorites. You could check him out on The Athletic. He's got the Can't Wait Jet podcast. He's covering the team for a long time. You see him on SNY. Our good buddy Connor Hughes joins us. Connor, what's happening, brother? How are you? I'm doing well, JJ. How you doing, man? Connor, you're around this team every day. Watching from afar... I'm not the least bit surprised with what happened on Sunday because I wondered how this team would handle prosperity. I thought the move to Andy Dalton was going to give the Cincinnati Bengals a much-needed boost. But for somebody who's in that locker room day in and day out, were you surprised with the effort you got out of Jets on Sunday? Yeah, uh, honestly, I was because, I mean, look, if you look historically – this is kind of what the Jets do, and, and that was the column that pretty much I had written after the game, was that what the Jets did on the field against the Bengals after winning three in a row and, and getting this season righted and looking like they had everything going their way, and, and there was some you know kind of whispers of playoff talk again and, and maybe making a run and running the table or at the minimum uh, winning this one and then beating the Dolphins to get yourselves to six and seven heading into that game against the, uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens that Thursday night game. In the past, this game was always the letdown, right? I mean, it was the Week 17 game in 2015 where the Jets had all the momentum and then lost to the Bills and were knocked out of the playoffs. And in 2017, it was after the Jets danced to everything, they laid the egg against the Bucks. And then, you know, in 2018, they have that big win against the, the Detroit Lions in the opener, kind of come back to earth in Week 2, but then they're playing the winless Browns in Week 3, and they lose that one. So uh, it, it's just – it's it's what they had done in the past, but that was always under Todd Bowles. And it was always when they treated even the most minor victories, like they had just won the Super Bowl, And they always got so far ahead of themselves and, and just created. And, and you could tell they just kind of drank their own Kool-Aid and got so high on themselves that then they kind of just walked into places thinking they were going to win. And they just never realized that they were not that good to be able to do those things. But this year, it finally felt like it was going to be different. And it was because, the locker room really kept that monotone, even keel mentality, even after these wins. You know, yeah, sure, players smiled, players were in good moods, but there wasn't the hooting and hollering and dancing and, and just blowing things out of proportion. So I thought, you know what? Maybe this team is going to be, maybe Adam Gates and Greg Williams and, and Dow Loggins and this coaching staff has finally instilled in these players this ability to not take guys too lightly and not get too far ahead of yourselves week by week. 
And instead, it was the same old Jets garbage that had happened the last four or five years. I mean, they walked in there and they got beat by the Bengals. I mean, that, that offense was absolutely abysmal against a, a Dolphin team that, that or sorry, not a Dolphin team, I'm sorry, a Bengal team that had really no intention of winning games. And, and they just got stomped. They were, it's hard to say they were lifeless because they did come out on that opening drive and march down the field, but they lacked energy, I thought. They, they seemed unfocused. They seemed like they walked into Paul Brown Stadium and fully expected the Bengals to roll over and hand the Jets another win, and they were going to leave with, a, with another 34-10 to 10 or some kind of dominating victory. And instead, they got their butts kicked. Connor, I'm not going to pretend to be Sean McVay or some sort of offensive play-calling genius, but the Cincinnati Bengals, and this was pointed out throughout the broadcast, if you've watched them all year, you've seen it, you can run on this team. You can run on them to the outside. I had a major problem with the way this game plan was orchestrated. I get it. You fall behind in this game. It's going to be easy to rely on passing the football. It's a passing league. I get all that. But how did the Jets, with Le'Veon Bell in the backfield, not get it to the outside basically at all here, play after play after play? It felt very, very frustrating to watch. Yeah, the, the to go for a, a couple things, like the, the, the run-pass ratio was, I don't look at it in the in the entirety of the game because, like you said, the game got away from the Jets, so they had to throw it in the in the second half. So the fact that it looks so alarming at like the the fifty or whatever to what you know whatever it was, I mean, it looks really really bad. So I kind of eliminated that when I was looking at this game, and instead I looked at it just when it was kind of a one possession game, and and the Jets were still very much in this in the first half. And then what I did was I kind of took out that last possession that the Jets had in the first half where they had to go down the field in a two-minute drill and Sam Darnold had to throw basically 10 times to get them down there to, to kick a field goal without any time or uh, with time running down and just having to pass, pass, pass because it was a two-minute drill. And I looked at every possession before that. And when this was still a close game and when the Jets were still having success averaging four-plus yards of, yards of carry on the ground, it was still a two-to-one pass-run ratio. They had thrown it 18 times and run at nine. And you're right. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I do understand why they didn't run Le'Veon Bell outside just because he doesn't have the speed to get out there. He's not a, uh, I know he's an elusive back and he's a quick back, but he's not a burner. He's not one of these guys that's going to run a four, 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 three forty where he can just outrun the defense to the corner and then get up the field. Usually someone's going to come and track him down. He's best in the hole where he's making people miss and then running people over. But that, that, uh, I don't know if it's willingness. I don't know what the right word is, but that, 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 that decision to just get away from running the ball so early in this game and just go pass, pass, pass when the pass really wasn't working that much. And especially when the offensive line was dealing with the hold and the issues they were and the protection was breaking down. I mean, it really does. It, it really is mind blowing. And I know we talked to Adam Gase today on, or on Monday on a conference call. This is Tuesday now, but uh, on Monday we talked to him on a conference call and he said, you know, look, if, if they convert a couple more first downs and they hold the ball longer and, and things like that, well, you know what? There's going to be more runs because they're going to have more plays. But still, I mean, 18 to nine in the first half when things were working for you on the ground, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I know Gase is the pass happy guy and that's what he wants to do, but still, you, you gotta, you gotta realize when something's working and you gotta run the ball there. Connor, it's very hard for me to evaluate what Le'Veon Bell is as a player. He's coming back off the air where he sat out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two years ago, last time we saw him playing in NFL games, this guy was one of, if not the best running back in all football. I don't know if it's the case of this coaching staff is not using him properly, if the offensive line is just not what the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line was, or is this a guy 
maybe dealing with a little bit of that like hangover effect from not playing football for a year. So where do you kind of stand with Le'Veon Bell so far this year? Is it more about scheme line or is it more about the player just not being the same guy that he was? I think it's a little bit of both. I, I don't think that Le'Veon Bell is the Le'Veon Bell that he was in Pittsburgh right now for the Jets. And, and I don't think that he's never going to be that player again, but I think you're seeing a guy that sat out an entire season and did nothing football related for an entire year. This wasn't a guy that was, you know, like everyone talks about Colin Kaepernick right now. He's working out five days a week. So he's ready whenever he gets a call. That wasn't what Le'Veon Bell was doing. He was working out sometimes, but he was in a studio recording music. He was not practicing to play because he knew he was not going to play. He was not coming back until he got a contract. And when the deadline passed, he decided he was sitting out an entire year. So he wasn't, you know, he basically took literally an entire year off of football. And you're seeing that. I mean, he looks sluggish. He looks sometimes like he's running with weights on his legs. He does not look like the same player. And also there are some concerns right now with his vision. I mean, there was a play in the, the, the second half where the Jets handed it to Le'Veon Bell when they were down like two possessions or something like that. And, and you could tell that the, the Bengals were playing for a pass because the Jets spread him out with four wide. There were two guys in the far left, two guys in the far right. And Bell got the handoff and just basically ran into butt of his offensive guard and got tackled. And then I watched the play, and I was talking to Brian Costello as well next to me, and Costello goes, like, what is he doing? And then I watched the replay. All he had to do was cut right and go off the right tackle's butt and there's no one there, and he's going to gain 30 or 40 yards, and he's just not seeing those holes. So there's something that's off. I think he really is struggling right now with the fact that he has not played an entire year, and that's one of the reasons. But one of the other reasons is that this Jets offensive line is not the Steelers' offensive line. These Jets receivers are not the Steelers' receivers. I mean, you got to remember, when he was playing with Big Ben, there was a legitimate threat of stretching the field because you had Big Ben under center and you had Antonio Brown outside. So while teams wanted to stack the box and they wanted to stop Le'Veon Bell and they wanted to shut down the run, they could only do so many things to do that because they had to account for Big Ben's passing ability and especially Antonio Brown stretching the field. So that made things significantly easier. Aside from that, that Steelers offensive line were five studs from left tackle to right tackle. They were an unbelievable group. So Bell could have the luxury of getting that handoff, waiting two or three seconds, finding the hole, picking it, bursting through, and getting these, these, these yardage. He doesn't have that luxury with the Jets because when he gets there and starts doing that dancing that made him so special in Pittsburgh, the, the defense crashes through the gaps and just brings him down because the Jets offensive line can't hold their block. So he's basically become a one-cut back, a find your hole, put your foot in the ground, get up the field, get three, four, five yards, That'll do. Don't try to hit the home run because we're not going to get it. So it's 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 tough right now, man. I think it's a mixture of everything. But the 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 signing of Bell and certainly Bell to this point really just hasn't worked out for the Jets. Connor Hughes joins us as the Jets after the three game winning streak laying egg against the Cincinnati Bengals. And Connor, look at the overall talent on the offensive side of the ball. I like Sam Darnold. I'm a believer in Sam Darnold. They got to get a heck of a lot better in so many different areas. Offensive line. Playmakers could use an upgrade. Defensively, we know about the weaknesses at corner, defensive line, you name it. Thinking back to last year's draft, I know we don't want to be in the business of jumping the gun, but I'm watching on Thanksgiving Day. I see Ed Oliver. I get it. He's on a much better, much better. Forget Ed Oliver, Josh Allen, You know what I mean, though? Like, I look at Ed Oliver, and I see him making plays all over the place. I see Quinn Williams, and maybe he's taking up a little bit of space here or there. 
But are you starting to get the sense already there could be a what could have been Oliver as opposed to Quinn Williams? Not at Oliver. Ed, Ed Oliver is not the, not, not the guy that I would be saying that about. It would be Josh Allen, the outside linebacker for the Jaguars. And, you know, when, when the Jets were going throughout the draft and I was making calls and talking to people and hearing the rumors heading into the draft there, everyone kind of kept saying about how the Jets were eyeing up Ed Oliver. And I heard a lot of Quinn and Williams. So basically the two guys they want, Ed Oliver was kind of the guy that they liked the prospect of, but they had signaled down to those top two guys on their board that they wanted were Bosa which was obviously, I mean, the guy was, was a stud, and you're seeing him be a stud with 49ers. I mean, the, guy, the guy's unbelievable. But aside from him, it was Quentin Williams. And when it became pretty evident that, uh, that Bosa was going two, which would then leave Quentin Williams to the Jets at three, I just kept saying to myself that this reminds me so much of the 2015 draft. Because when you look back at that 2015 team that the Jets had, they had Sheldon Richardson at one defensive end spot, Muhammad Wilkerson in one defensive end spot, and Damon Harrison in the middle. What they did not have was an outside linebacker. I think they had, like, I know Calvin Pace was one of them, but I think they had, like, Quentin Copels was a guy, and I think Jason, I know Babin played from at 14. I can't remember if he came back in 15. But I remember looking at that and saying, you know what? I know this guy, Leonard Williams, who's sliding, might be, like, the guy that the Jets want. But Vic Beasley, to me, was the better selection because, while Leonard Williams might have been a better player than Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley would have made the Jets' defense better because you would have had those three defensive linemen and Vic Beasley outside to rush the passer and take advantage of that. You kind of saw what Vic Beasley could do his second year when he had a 15-and-a-half sack, and then obviously injuries have kind of derailed his career. But I, I viewed that that way in 2015. This year, I saw it very similarly. I saw Josh Allen, the Kentucky linebacker, as a guy who maybe individually was not as dominant as what uh, uh, Quinn and Williams could be in terms, I shouldn't say as dominant as Quinn and Williams could be, but maybe he didn't grade out as good as Quinn and Williams did in terms of your draft grades and stuff like that. But I looked at him and I said, you know what? That Jets defense with Leonard Williams at one side, Henry Anderson at the other, and Steve McClendon in the middle, I think that that threesome with then Josh Williams on the outside is better than taking Quinn and Williams and throwing him to the mix and then using Brandon Copeland as an outside linebacker and Jordan Jenkins as an outside linebacker. And you look at what Josh Allen has done for the Jaguars. And I understand that Jacksonville has a lot more talent on that defensive line and they're much more talented defense. From it. I know they're dealing with their struggles, but from a player perspective, they have more things you have to worry about than the Jets. Josh Allen, I looked up the stats today for an article that I'm writing for tomorrow. Josh Allen has nine tackles and two, four, nine sacks and two forced fumbles this year for the Jaguars. That's a stellar rookie Tell season. You, and that's Connor, that looked pretty good on that Jet defense. Nine sacks and exactly. a guy can get to the quarterback consistently. You ain't Kim, bro. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying, man. That's what the Jets need. They did not need another 34 defensive end. They didn't need another big-bodied in the middle. They needed an outside presence, and Josh Allen would have been that guy. And it's going to go down no different in 2015 than if the Jets had taken Vic Beasley instead of Leonard. What would that defensive look like? I just get this feeling that it's going to be the same thing this year. What would that do, or in five years from now, or what would this Jets defense look like if they had taken Josh Allen instead of Quentin Williams? And I know that they had issues and concerns where – did Josh Allen really love football as, as much as, as uh, someone else? And, and was he going to basically get drafted in the NFL and then kind of, you know, fall off and just be another guy? Well, the, those, those concerns have clearly been answered by what he's doing in Jacksonville because the guy's having a stellar year. And, Connor, I think it goes without saying, right, no matter what happens the rest of this year, Adam Gaze coaching his team in 2020. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he'll be back next season. And then will, will he be back in 2021? 
that is, is completely up in the air, but he'll absolutely be back next year. And as far as getting his roster a heck of a lot better, I mean, where do you begin? Whether it's in the secondary, they need help. Defensive end, they need help. Offensive line, they need help. Joe Douglas is going to be put to work right out of the gate. And, yeah, if you're Adam Gage, you want to be coaching this team long-term, your buddy better go to work and have an unbelievable offseason here coming up, Connor, because the New England Patriots, say what you want about Brady and his age, that the Patriots wake me up when they're not winning games. And the Buffalo Bills have something special cooking right now. I mean, they are tough. They'll run the right way. They are drafting properly. They're bringing in the right kind of free agents. And then you look in Miami, they got three first-round picks. They yeah. got pick score. They got cap space score. This ain't going to be an easy division to navigate over these next couple of years. No, and that Miami coach is looking pretty good too. I mean, with what he's being able to, what he's doing this year, and especially as of late, considering the pieces he has. I mean, you can say that in a way they might be in a better situation than the Jets if they're able to get their quarterback of the future in this year's draft, whether that's Tua or, or Bros or whoever they end up going with. But I mean, I think the, the tough thing for the Jets is that this is not a one-year fix. This is not something where they're just going to turn around because. You look at the holes they have and you look at the draft picks they have, they need to build this thing through the draft, which is coincidentally what Mike McCagden said over and over and over again. And then his biggest issue was just that his draft record and, and the guys that he drafted were all terrible. So that, that, that didn't work that well. But when you try to build something through free agency, it usually doesn't work because the stars of the stars of the stars don't usually hit the open market. It just doesn't happen. In fact, that's why the Jets went so crazy for CJ Mosley because they viewed him as an A plus level player that really had no flaws and they were stunned to see him hit the open market. They thought, and seriously, that coaching staff thought that the, the Jets coaching staff believed that CJ Mosley was going to retire a Baltimore Ravens. So when he hit the open market, they went full steam ahead to go and get him because he was kind of the, the unicorn of players that hit it. But everyone else that's out there, they're let go and not retained for a reason, whether there's personality concerns, on-field concerns, injury concerns, money concerns. There's a reason that these guys let them go. So the Jets basically need to solidify all five of their offensive line positions, except for maybe offensive guard with, with Alex Lewis, and then it depends on how you view Chuma Adaga at right tackle and if there's actually a future there for him or not. But they need, at a minimum, a left tackle, left guard, and, or a left tackle, right guard, and center. I mean, that's something that they absolutely need. They need a number one wide receiver. Uh, they, they probably need some wide receiver depth in addition to that. They need a cornerback one and a cornerback two. They need an outside linebacker. They need defensive line depth. I mean, there is a lot that this team needs, and they need it bad. And the biggest issue for them is that some of the positions that they need cornerback left tackle, pass rusher. This is something that really you don't find elite-level players unless you're picking in the top five. And a lot of teams look for these positions for five, six, seven years and never get them. So the Jets are in a very poor position right now. They're in a poor position because of Mike McCagden. But the thing is is that this is not a one-year fix. It's probably going to take a couple of years before the Jets can really get themselves going again unless Joe Douglas really comes to the plate and hit the grand slam in the offseason. All right, Connor, real quick. AFC, who gets the final playoff spot? Is it Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Oakland, Indianapolis? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Brissett, I think, has come way, way, way back down to earth. Um, so I, I, I crossed that one off right away. I don't believe in Oakland either. I think that they, had, they, they showed some promise early on, but I don't like them. I think it's going to be Tennessee. I, I think that what Ryan Tannehill is doing is, is just crazy. And, and that, that coaching staff, man, they have those guys playing good ball week in and week out. It really is amazing what Vrabel is doing over there on the sideline. I question that coaching hire, but he's really been something else. So 
Uh, I think it's going to be them, man. I think they're going to sneak in, and they're one of those teams where if they get in the playoffs, they might. If someone sleeps on them, you, you don't really know. Like you, you they they could they could make a little noise. I don't think they'll get they get to the Super Bowl or, or anything like that, but they might they might shock a team or two there within the first or second round. Final one, Connor. Fact of fiction: the New England Patriots will be playing in this year's Super Bowl. No fiction. I don't think that's happening. There's, there's too many concerns there, and and I really really like the Chiefs. I think that they're going to start hitting their stride soon now that Mahomes is getting healthier. And I love the Ravens, man. I, I really question Lamar Jackson a lot heading into this year. I saw him kind of get, you know, kind of stomped a little bit in the playoffs last year and thought that was who he was. He's proven me and a lot of people wrong that this guy's legit. I mean, he's, he's, you know, it's, JJ, everyone compares him to Mike Vick. What people don't realize is that Vick didn't become a, a true quarterback until he got to Philadelphia with Andy Reid and, and, and really got to learn to play the quarterback position. He was one of those guys in Atlanta where if his first read wasn't there, he just took off and ran. It was first read open, okay, not there, run. Lamar Jackson is doing things that Vic didn't do until he was 30 in terms of read progressions and going through a defense and all these things. So I'm, I'm really high on that guy. And I'll tell you what, usually it's like year two, three, where teams figure out a quarterback. They had a lot of game film on Lamar Jackson from last year. They had a playoff game on Lamar Jackson last year. And Lamar Jackson has come back and improved everything. I mean, everything. I think he's a runaway MVP, and he's just so much fun to watch. Connor Hughes, Athletic Can't Wait Podcast, SNY, man of many talents. Connor, appreciate a couple minutes. Thanks for staying up late, and enjoy the wonderful display of football on Sunday between the New York Jets and my team, the Miami Dolphins. And (laughs) my goodness, Connor, wouldn't it be something if Adam Gaze lost to his former team twice this year? That honestly can't happen, bro, right? There's no way in the world that could happen. uh, You say it, but these are the Jets, man, and and that would be quite (laughs) the entertaining uh, press conference if if it happened. I'd pay to be there, actually, even though I don't want to be out of MetLife Stadium on Sunday because I want to watch the Saints and the uh, San Francisco 49ers as well. I would pay to be there if they end up losing that game. Kind of great stuff, man. Unbelievable. We'll keep following. We'll keep uh, listening, reading, all that good stuff, and we'll catch up again soon, all right? Yep. Thanks, JJ. I appreciate it. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.